Hey listeners, this is Asher with Unfeigned Christianity, where we have conversations about issues that threaten the genuineness or sincerity of our faith. I'm excited today to have a longtime friend, family friend, and mentor figure in my life, Rick Rhodes. He's joining me on the podcast to discuss spiritual warfare. Uh, I Something I've thought about the more I'm in Bible college and the more I'm studying scripture, I notice how, a couple things, first of all, scripture doesn't talk just a ton about spiritual warfare directly. We have the passage in Ephesians that addresses it, but otherwise, spiritual warfare is just, it's just there. It just is. Like right from Genesis, we get that there is conflict that in not only physical realms, but even spiritual realms, cosmic conflict between good and evil. Obviously, God as God of all gods and and Satan as his adversary. Um, and then, and, and so with that, I think, I think there's a lot about spiritual warfare we miss if we're thinking we need to find those places in Scripture that talk specifically about spiritual warfare. Another thing is that we tend to focus on our enemy as opposed to focusing on God. And Rick has a sermon series out. You can visit his website at ourfamilyministries.org and you can access several different sermons. Some are free, some are at cost. Um, But one of the series he does is We Win. It's on spiritual warfare. And so in this conversation, we just kind of talk about that. And he, he does a good job addressing our victorious leader, Jesus Christ, God being the victor, and then also our identity in Christ and we as his warriors with him, getting the focus off the enemy and on God and understanding the enemy in light of God, in light of the conflict that is at stake. So I really enjoy this conversation with him. Uh, If you, he, he does several conferences as well. He's got the sold out youth conferences that they do, I think, once a year or every other year. I think it may have started every other year, and now it's once a year or something, somewhere along there. But you can visit their website and get all the past recordings of those as well. They are in the process of doing the 2020 sold-out conferences. So I'm sure, I'm not, I forgot to check before going on here if he's got that one available in DVD format yet or not. But you can be on the lookout for that. As always, if you enjoy this show, if you enjoy if you found it helpful, or if if you don't enjoy it and you just keep listening to it because it it just is entertaining to listen to something that's unenjoyable, I don't know. <laughs> if you want to leave a review, good or bad, go ahead and just shoot an email at podcast at asherwhitmer.com. I'll also drop that in the notes below. Or you can leave a comment if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to this via podcast stream. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a review there. I'm not sure which which all. I don't think Spotify leaves reviews, but feel free to leave a review if you're able. Shoot an email if you're able. Leave a rating. That helps me know how I can better serve you, what's hitting, what's, what's not good. It's through feedback like that that I hear from people who like longer episodes or shorter episodes or if I'm mumbling too much or whatever. It, it is a helpful way to know how this is being communicated, how this experience is for you. And it's also a way, especially if you rate it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or give a thumbs up on YouTube, whatever, it it helps get 
the podcast higher in ratings helps get the message out there if you, if you found this helpful take a moment leave a review leave a rating share it with somebody and that's that's as helpful to us as even supporting us financially which if you want to you can do that on patreon.com forward slash asher whitmer you can do it for a dollar a month hundred dollars a month it doesn't matter uh, you do get some extra bonus content with that as well but Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. And here's my conversation with Rick. Yeah, we are live. It's good to have you on here, Rick. Thank you. It's good to be on with you, Asher. It has been, we were just talking before turning the recording on that it's been probably three, three and a half years since we talked. We, uh, Teresa and I spent three years in Thailand teaching at Victory Christian School, which is school that you started there with Igo. And uh, that was the last time we were in, well, I guess for my listeners, I don't know if they're familiar with Igo, uh, Institute for Global Opportunities. We, uh, you actually, Rick, play a role in my wife and I being married. So I remember... uh, I still remember that drive together going for coffee and uh, yeah. Yeah. That's uh, good memories and uh, some good fruit of a good conversation. Yeah. Yes, it was. That was, that was the first time I think, I think you and Val kind of hinted at it a little bit. If I remember correctly, Val was my mentor mm-hmm. and uh, one of our last coffees there. So for, um, for people that don't know Institute for Global Opportunities is a, short-term it's a one-year missions training school split into two semesters and uh throughout a semester you have classes and then ministry trips and then you're also part of a mentoring group and uh rick at the end of the year Teresa and i had both been there for, for the full year together had a couple missions trips together and at the end of the year, we were going out for coffee, and Rick suggested that, I forget how you worded it exactly, but I think it was that I consider praying about possibly pursuing Teresa. And uh, you were the first one. And then I think one time in a conversation with Val, he was like wondering if there's anybody that I'd consider. And uh, then I got home, and my parents were wondering about it. So I don't know if you all colluded or if it, if it was all just <laughs> that was all that was all separate so uh it was pretty neat really yeah yeah no it felt pretty disconnected and and obviously i i don't know that i would have really picked up on it if it wasn't that there was kind of something going there and within a year actually we were married that's crazy mm-hmm. so n- now here we are eight years later wow it's crazy so yeah, we uh, just to kind of ramble here. We were we Teresa and I ended up turning around a year and a half later, moving to Thailand, and taught there, and we spent three years with Rick's family. Rick, you um, you actually are have been fairly formidable in my life, even before we we. You guys used to live in Minnesota. I grew up in Minnesota, and I don't know if you remember this. Well, one of my first memories of you is speaking at CLC, Christian Life Chapel, in a turtleneck shirt. Do you remember wearing that? 
Okay. Uh, wow. Did I have that with a suit coat on over it? It was, I think, a sweater vest. Okay. Okay. Correctly. Yeah. 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 I, I just remember it's one winter. Uh, yeah. I, and I think, I think we only had what? Maybe just Ravon or Ravon and Riley or something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. like that. Um, I just remember because I did not like turtlenecks growing up. Okay. My mom would wear, <laughs> have me wear a turtleneck, and I just remembered Rick was wearing a turtleneck as he spoke. So it was winter, so I had to wear one to survive in Minnesota. Yeah, so. <laughs> and I don't know if you guys were back from Grenada or something. It seems like maybe you shared on Grenada a little bit. Um, I forget what that was, but anyways, and then. And I don't remember if this was before or after that, but you used to, the track and field days at Kitchy, you mm-hmm. used to run the the six, or the 50 meter and 100 yard dashes. And I remember I was probably, I don't know, three or four after the day, after all the races had gone. I guess I wanted to run too. And I remember you and dad running with me down yeah. the 50 yard dash a little bit. Wow. That's, now you're making me sound like an old man. <laughs> well, you are, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm having to uh, accept that. Yes. Yeah. I am. And then, um, and then the year before we moved to Thailand or before you moved to Thailand mm-hmm. and soon before we moved to um, Los Angeles, I actually broke some records on a track and field. I forget what race it was, but you were there. And I remember you coming up and shaking my hand or giving me a hug or something. I think I broke, I forget if it was one of Monty's records or one of Reagan's records, but it was a, it was like a fairly significant record. There were actually three of us that broke it that day. And I happened to beat out the other two. Yeah, I, I remember those are, those are good times of those track and field days. Yeah. Yeah. So then I went and taught your boys and discovered that I would probably get some records broken myself <laughs> and trying to race them, trying to keep yeah. up with them. So yeah, it's, uh, there's been a lot of, a lot of history, a lot of, you, you've definitely been a part of forming me as a person not just with running, but in marriage, but just in who I am in Christ as well. And uh, I was, I've, I've been thinking a lot about spiritual warfare and how we understand spirit realms this year. I don't, I don't know if it's, it's, I'm not actually in, in Bible college. I'm not studying that specifically, but it's just something I've started picking up on as we study through scripture and there's a few things that we'll probably get into, but, and then just as, as I listen to some of the common teaching about spiritual warfare, spiritual, the nature of spiritual beings and stuff like that. I wonder if, if it's as holistic or as complete as maybe it could be. I don't know if that makes sense. And, uh, so you have you have a series you you have a number of series that you've put on DVD and on CD 
you can go to ourfamilyministries.org. Is that correct? That's correct. And you can find these series on there, but specifically you have a series on spiritual warfare called We Win. And I just, yeah, we, uh, we, I think I had a post, a Facebook post or something, and I linked one of your other series. Yes, that was and, uh, Try the Spirit series. Yeah, mm-hmm. Try the Spirits, just know that that series focus on, on knowing how to know God's voice. And is, is this God's will or not? If I remember correctly, I don't, I'm not sure I've actually listened to many of your video series. I just remember them being preached in chapel or in the church as you were fleshing them out. Um, and then you messaged me, reminding me about the We Win series. And I was like, Hey, would you just come on? Let's talk about this a little bit on the podcast. So thanks for coming on. And uh, why don't we just to kick the conversation off? Why don't you just kind of go through the We Win series and yeah. yeah, what do you cover? And then, and then there's some, yeah, some further questions that I'd like to kind of hear from you on. Sure, sure. The, uh, in doing this a series on spiritual warfare, uh, what prompted it is just the need for teaching. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, how much of the teaching out there is holistic on this. Um, and I've, I've found that there's, like in many things, there's two distinct ditches when you come to spiritual warfare. You know, one ditch is, you know, we've got to be informed. Everything is spiritual. So anything bad that happens to you, Satan was behind it. Anything good, God was behind it. You know, you're on your way to work and you have a flat tire. Well, that's the devil trying to discourage you. So you rebuke the devil uh, because that's specifically of him. Um, and then the other, the other ditch is, you know, these things just happen. That's just life. And so there isn't really a battle out there. Just do the right thing and, and, we, and live in kind of ignorance of a battle. Um, and they, and the, the left side of that ditch or left or right, whatever you call it, but the one side looks at the others that say, you know, they're, they're trying to cast demons out of everything. And uh, I tried it once and it didn't work, so it can't be. Uh, and, and the other side is saying you know, they're they're clueless. They don't understand what's going on. And and actually, both sides are wrong. Um, flat tires happen with without a demon. Um, and, and sometimes we just need to get out and say, God, I'm going to praise you. This makes me late for work. And uh, I'm going to change the tire. And I'm going to go to work. And sometimes it does happen because the devil does something and you you know, so whatever. Um, so in, in doing a series on this, um, I wanted to make sure I uh, we bring a holistic picture to the spiritual warfare. And so the series that I did, and, and just starting with the title, you know, I had put together an audio series uh, back about eight or 10 years ago. My third one I did was on spiritual warfare, titled it We Win. And and I sold out of those, and instead of just making them again, I wanted to redo it. And in redoing the series, you know, I thought, okay, I should rename it so people don't get confused with the old one. Uh, but I couldn't come up with a better title for a study on spiritual warfare than we win. 
because honestly, when we are followers of Christ and we're his children, we win. Uh, mm-hmm. And to me, that's that's the focus that we've got to have in looking at spiritual warfare. So so in redoing this one, kept the same title, so it's called We Win. Um, but I made some significant changes in redoing it. And one of those is my fourth session, which is our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to that in a moment, but let me just, just give you a quick overview of this series. Uh, in doing the series, most of my other sermon series that I have are, are four session series, 35 to 45 minute sermons, four series each. And, and so a lot of churches, a, a lot of youth groups use them for midweek studies, Bible studies, you know, even Sunday services. Uh, but what I'm hearing is we wish for shorter sessions that we could watch and then discuss. Mm-hmm. So I took the We Win series and we took what was four sessions originally and we made this into an eight session series, each one about 20 minutes so that a small group can take it. They can watch it for 20 minutes. And if, you know, if they have an hour time where they're together, an hour service or whatever, that gives them 40 minutes just to talk about what, what they learned and so on. So in, in this We Win series, uh, the eight sessions, the first one is This is War. And this is just defining what is the battle that we're in. What is spiritual warfare? Uh, it is real. Uh, the ditch that says, you know, we just do the right thing, ignoring it. No, they're wrong. There is a battle. Uh, and we need to we need to understand that we're in a spiritual battle. Um, there have been distinct times in, in our life where if we wouldn't have understood that we're in a battle and just addressed it, um, you know, we would have been clueless and disillusioned. Um, yeah. So the first session, this is war. What is the battle? Where is it fought? Uh, what are the, you know, where's the main battleground? Just a couple of these things quickly. The primary battleground is in the mind. The the number one weapon of the enemy is, is fear. Uh, and those are just mm-hmm. a couple, two of the four points that I give in that this is war. Then the next three sessions in this series, I take, in a sense, the three the three beings or the three players in spiritual warfare. It's God, it's Satan, and it's us as people. And so session two is titled Our Victorious Leader. And if we're going to look at spiritual warfare, you understand the battle, and then we want to say, okay, so who is God? And we want to understand who he is and just take three characteristics of God and, and looking at him, who he is. Uh, and, and that's an encouraging session. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it doesn't matter what ditch you're on. You look at that one and say, okay, that's good news. Our victorious leader. And when we, when we study our leader and understand who he is, it gives us motivation to fight. So session two is our victorious leader. Then session three is our deceptive enemy. And we, we do need to understand who Satan is. You know, Paul says, let's not be ignorant of his devices. And, and too often we're ignorant of his devices. Now, the one ditch that tends to make everything about spiritual warfare and trying to cast the demon out of everything that goes bad, and you know, they see a demon behind every push, uh, to me, that I don't agree with that at all. And I think that type of approach champions the enemy, hmm. which hmm. isn't right. That's not a right perspective. Uh, out of eight sessions, we do one session on the enemy. 
And simply what we do in that session is just to understand who he is. Uh, and, and, in, and in preparing and teaching this session, you know, I find three characteristics of Satan. He is proud, selfish, and rebellious. Proud, selfish, and rebellious. And so that's going to be how he works. And I believe that you can trace back your temptations, your, your sins, your struggles, and they're going to end up at one of those root causes, pride, selfishness, rebellion. Mm-hmm. So one session, our deceptive enemy, knowing who he is, and then a brand new session in this series that in feedback I've been getting from, from churches that have been using this, this is the one where I've gotten the most positive feedback, is our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's been exciting to hear how this is connecting with people. And, and that is understanding who we are as God's people and understanding um, mm-hmm. you know, God's, God's blessing. I look at Ephesians chapter 1 and the nine spiritual blessings that Paul has, uh, who we are in Christ. So that's a huge one. And again, that is so foundational in spiritual warfare is understanding who I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the first four sessions. And then session five and six is put on your armor, which is our defensive weapons, comes out of Ephesians chapter six. Uh, and you know, people are familiar with that. Those are primarily defensive weapons that are given in Ephesians chapter six. Uh, prayer is, is an offensive weapon. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, is offensive, and yet it still is defensive. You know, a sword is primarily defensive. It's at best, it's a short-range weapon. Uh, mm. So we look at session five and six, the armor, what it is, how we use it, putting it on. And then session seven and eight is we look at the offensive weapons. And, and those sessions are titled, this is how we fight. And, and Paul says this, uh, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what really uh, helped me in understanding our offensive weapons is Otto Koenig's teaching mm. uh, in his uh, his pineapple, um, pineapple Story series. And that was so powerful for me as a young missionary pastor in Grenada. And, and so just digging into that, it's like, wow, he is just right on in that. And uh, so digging into that, our weapons, this is how we fight. Look at the offensive weapons. Uh, and so that's really foundational for us. And, and to me, that brings clarity and kind of brings the two sides together on here's the, the middle road, uh, the ditch where everything's, the devil's behind it and we rebuke him. Sometimes you rebuke the devil and, it, and he flees and, and you're like, okay, yeah, that worked. And the next time he doesn't, and then you can be disillusioned. Well, the, the answer to that is one of the five weapons is the weapon of resistance. Hmm. And what what the ditch where everything the devil's against you, you always rebuke him, they tend to champion that one weapon, and the devil isn't behind everything. Uh, and hmm. you don't just, your only weapon isn't just a weapon of resistance. So that is a weapon. Uh, and we resist hmm. the devil when he attacks us. So that is a weapon. But one of the weapons is the weapon of rejoicing. And that weapon we use when we have bad circumstances, like our flat tire on the way to church. So, you know, and I was I was going to uh, to speak at a church 
And uh, I had a flat tire. I could have stood out by that tire and rebuked the devil all night long and probably missed my service. Uh, what I needed to do is get out and and just praise God anyways and fix it and go on to church. And the devil didn't get any glory. Uh, mm-hmm. Paul says we're to rejoice in everything. Mm-hmm. Humanly speaking, that's not possible. And in the flesh, we don't. It's not natural to rejoice in bad circumstances. An unbeliever can rejoice when things are good. Mm-hmm. And too often, we as Christians rejoice when it's good. When it's bad, we grumble, we complain. The spiritual weapon is the weapon of rejoicing. And when we rejoice in bad circumstances, that's when God works. That's when exciting things happen. So those are some uh, some powerful tools. The weapon of love. You have problems with people. And again, we can say when you just champion the weapon of resisting, uh, you know, they have a demon or Satan's just using them and we, we you know, look them in the eye and rebuke them in the name of Jesus. And then things go really bad. We're like, what happened? Uh the weapon of love is when you have problems with people. Mm-hmm. So there is a weapon of resistance, but there's also a weapon of rejoicing, weapon of love, and there, mm-hmm. there's two more in that. So those are the two final sessions. Is this is how we fight, looking at our yeah. offensive weapons and how we do it. Yeah, that's that's so good. I remember you teaching, I forget what class it was, but teaching the weapons of warfare. Mm-hmm. And that was really powerful for me too, thinking of the uh, the offensive weapons. Um yeah, especially rejoicing so often those times are and even love, but you, you think that we need to pray and rebuke and resist because it's, it's a flat tire or even just, um, you know, being, you, th- you thought you were going to be able to do ministry someplace and then somebody came and took away your permit or, you know, whatever it may be you think you need to pray against it and resist when it might be a moment of just rejoicing and um, that kind of tribulation, I guess you could say. And and that's something that I've been thinking about too. Um, like there is power. And like you said, we do resist. That is one of the weapons we resist and the devil flees, especially it said, um, at least in James, calls us to humble ourselves, resist the devil, and he will flee. Um, and yet, the the mystery of the gospel in many ways is that we can, re, we can rejoice or we can have the presence of God with us in any circumstance. Like God is with us even when I'm suffering. Yeah. yeah and kind of um i think did you reference uh romans 8 or the the concept of being conformed into the image of god um in the middle of that and so yeah that's i i like this what what really stuck out to me was sessions two and sessions four because it seems like those are often missing in a lot of the the common teaching on spiritual warfare it it tends to focus or champion the enemy and we do these things because we don't want to align ourselves with the enemy or whatever and i've just been noticing like in scripture we we actually don't get a ton about our enemy 
no there's it's there it's very real and it's you have these encounters some very vivid and then some uh paul would refer to as a thorn in the flesh you know whatever that is exactly obviously genesis starts the story there is an enemy that comes and deceives and but most of scripture is about god and and even his name what he calls himself is god of all god like he is the god um yeah so i i yeah i really i really like that foundation you know if you were to only teach on one of the three characters in spiritual warfare it would be on god and when you understand that he's omniscient he's omnipotent and he's omnipresence uh what do we have to fear? Mm-hmm. And, and too often it's so we got to understand the devil and we look at all his power. And, and something that I find too is people are so quick to give those attributes of God to the devil. Hmm. And, and one of the reasons I think we wrestle with that is because the primarily battle, the primary battleground is in our mind. And so that's where we face fears. That's where we face temptations. Mm-hmm. So we just automatically think Satan can read our mind. But I'm, I'm confident he cannot. Uh, somehow he's able to, te- to tempt us, uh, but he doesn't, he's not omniscient. He doesn't know our minds. Uh, so that affects our, our weapons. When we, when we use a weapon of resisting, we have to do it verbally because mm-hmm. he can't treat our minds. We can pray in our heart or our mind and God hears. Uh, but when yeah. we resist the devil, it needs to be verbally uh, and, you know, and I've given many testimonies for myself, my wife, uh, and being a part of times where there was de- demonic confrontation and we were able to cast out demons. It we had to be verbal. You don't have to yell. You don't have to get loud. You, mm. don't, have to do, you don't have to be radical. Uh, but you do have to verbalize it. Um, but, yeah, Satan can't read our minds. Uh, we need to remember where he came from. And Isaiah 14 is a good one on that and, and that describes that pride that selfishness in the rebellion i will be like god you know i'm going to be you know i i i uh the angels are watching and learning what's going to happen and that's who satan was so he doesn't have the attributes of god where he's omnipresent uh where he's omniscient and to me those are are key mistakes that people have in understanding yeah yeah why would you kind of touched on it a little bit, but um, why do we tend to give those attributes to the devil or why do we tend to focus? So the, the main battleground is in our minds. Is it, is it because like, we don't, we don't think about what all God is doing. Like we don't feel that as much. We feel the attack. We feel the, the discouragement that the foggy kind of like, the foggy area of deception where I'm not believing truth or why do we tend to focus? Do you have a thoughts on that or what? When, when the battles in the mind and we know, you know, that thought is that's so wrong. You know, I shouldn't that desire, that temptation that came in my mind, that's not from God. And so if Satan tempts me in my mind, then he must be able to see into my mind. And, and to me, that makes sense why we can struggle with that. Um, 
and I don't get I don't get how it all works. But I uh, we just have to remember I need to take thoughts captive in the same context of of the weapons of our warfare. We're we're told to to bring in every thought into captivity uh, and bring into the obedience of Christ. And so I can discuss things with God in my mind and and captivate that thought and say, no, that's wrong. I'm not going to think about that and talk Mm. about that with God. And we can have victory over temptations without having to address the enemy. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to be in discussions with the enemy, but we just resist him. That's all we need to do. Mm. Uh, mm. Make him flee. Um, but sometimes we don't need to resist depending on what it is. Um, yeah. No, that's not from God. They didn't mean those words that way to me. I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to be offensive or whatever it may be. Uh, no, I shouldn't look that way. I'll turn this way. I, I don't need to rebuke the devil. When it's persistent, like sometimes when it's just really heavy, um, my wife and I both had these times where we just verbally had to say no. Mm. And there was just that release. And mm. so I think being aware that when it's intense, just verbally re- rebuke him. Um, mm-hmm. and, mm. I, and I don't, I don't caution people like, you know, be careful. You don't resist the devil too much. No. You know, if, if I'm trying to get to church and my car don't start, uh, or, you know, the other Sunday I'm preaching and the projector wouldn't work. I have no problem with, and will often do this. Well, let's just pray. And if Satan's behind this, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus that you can't stop this. Uh, but if God, if you just don't want me to use a PowerPoint tonight, you have something else. We're just going to praise you and have church anyways. And mm-hmm. I, and I, to me, that's a balanced perspective where uh, I'll rebuke him. Maybe he did keep the car from starting, and you know. <laughs> It'll happen. Mm. Sometimes it doesn't. And God's teaching me patience or God's, yeah. you know, God wanted me to preach a different message or God wanted me uh, not to be tied to the, to the PowerPoint and we didn't need the projector, but I thought we did. So. Yeah. Yeah. What, how do you just, as you were talking there, I, I was thinking about like, I, I know even for myself have, have been here a little bit, but I, know that when like a common struggle can be what how do i know this isn't conviction from god versus a lie from the devil great question i'm so glad you asked this one because this is a common one uh and there's a clear distinction satan is called an accuser of the brother so he accuses us uh and by the way the truth in spiritual warfare is god has won and, and, and there's no question who wins when you look at the word of God. Okay. The, the battle is over the souls of mankind. Uh, but when I'm on God's side, there's nothing Satan can do to me. His only weapon is the lie. Hmm. And so, uh, so he attacks us with a lie. And, and so when he accuses us, sometimes they're lies. Uh, sometimes he's bringing up past failures you know, there you are. You got angry again. You're such an, an angry man. Or, you know, he can. And and here's how you tell the difference. When it's Satan as an accuser of the brethren, all you get out of it is despair. There's no hope in it. Like, yep, that's just who I am. I'm a bad dad. I, I will never be a good dad to my children. Uh, and it, it's just depressing. 
when God's spirit convicts, it's not like, yes, uh, you know, God's convicting me of anger or, you know, where it may be, but there's hope in it. I know what I need to do. Rick, you did it again. You've got to go back to your son and say, you're sorry. Uh, there, there's hope in it. And an accusation from the enemy, it, it leads to despair, depression. There's no hope. Conviction from God. There's hope. There's light at the end. I know what I need to do. I've got to go back and say, I'm sorry to my wife. I've got to call up that brother and say, I was so wrong. Uh, I've got to, I've got to stand up and say, I've sinned. I have something to confess. Uh, but there's light at the end. Hmm. To me, that's just been a lifesaver for me in dealing with is Satan after me or is it the Holy Spirit tempting me? Yeah. If, if it leads to despair, no, that's not of God. I'll re- then you resist him. That's not true. I will not listen to that. Uh, is this true? And if it is, okay, I'll confess. I'll apologize. Mm-hmm. I'll do whatever. Yeah. It, I can't think of the reference right now, but it reminds me of the verse in um, Corinthians somewhere. I forget if it's first or second. Talks about, uh, Paul says something about the, along that lines, like the something about conviction that bring leads you to despair as opposed to a conviction that leads you to a godly grief. Yeah, Do you I, know what reference I'm talking about? I don't. I should have looked don't. that up. Yeah. You, you um, know, this prompts me just back in just a little bit when he talked about uh, in James and also again in first Peter talks about resisting the devil and the context that those come in is submit to God, resist the devil. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's really no room for arrogance as a Christian. Yeah. I'm a child of God by God's grace. I'm, uh, it's by God's grace alone that I'm his child. So my, my confidence is in him. And if I'm proud and then I'm going to resist the devil, uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be successful. Like yeah. sometimes there's this arrogancy is, you know, we have victory over him and we're going to go do this. And it's more about me than it is about God. So I think it's interesting that when we're told to resist the devil, that comes after we're told to submit to God. Yeah. Sometimes our struggle isn't so much an attack from the enemy, but a lack of submission. And when I submit to God and say, God, this is a tough situation. I'll, I'll go through with it. I'll, I'll endure I, whatever it may be. Um, all of a sudden we find the battle's gone and we didn't even need to resist it up. Um, sometimes we've got to clearly resist, but it, a foundation is submitting to God, which takes us back to one of the three descriptions of, of Satan. He's rebellious. And so he's against authority. And when we're against authority, we're playing in his camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I, I I was just looking it up here. Second Corinthians seven ten for godly grief produces a repentance, not to be regretted and leading to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. I think mm-hmm. some some translations say uh, convict conviction, maybe instead of grief, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, that's that's good. What um, we've been talking about fear and the focusing on the 
the enemy versus our versus Jesus, our victorious leader. One of the things that some some uh, circles that I've circled in recently um, that I've heard is this concept that like I need to be I need to watch out what I say or or even maybe even particular things I have in my home um, because I don't want to let the devil accidentally influence me or accidentally align with the the dark with darkness in some way i don't know is that something you've heard um and what what would you have to say in regards to that you know you would understand this aspect of living in asia uh and in thailand that's the uh a dark country spiritually in the mm. country uh which is very much um very much into uh, the spirits and fearing the spirits. Um, I think it is possible for for objects to have to have power by you know some type of work of the devil, people praying on them or whatever this type of thing. Uh, that I think we need to be aware of. You know, some some groups they'll wear something around their wrist to keep the spirits away. Uh, and you know they'll pray over that before they put it on, or something around their neck. Uh, these type of things. Um, if that person got saved, I'd say you, you destroy that, you get rid of that. You don't, you don't wear that. Um, I don't live in fear that you know where is an object in my house that might have, you know, power or whatever. I think it's possible um, for those type of things to happen. Um, but I don't, I don't live in fear of that. Um, yeah, so that's my thought just on as far as objects, that type of thing. As far as being careful what I say, uh, yeah, that's an interesting discussion. And I've heard some of those things too. Be careful. You speak your fears, you're going to speak them into existence. And then people without a fear of what they're going to say, uh, which to me, no, no don't do that. Um, yeah. But I think we do watch our words. Do watch what I project on people, what I project on life. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I continually speaking tears? Um, like, where does that come from? Uh, yeah. To me, that would be the bigger picture. Uh, yeah. It would concern me if people take it so far as, oh, no, you spoke this, now it could happen, and now you're in trouble. You know what? If that's the case... Just say, look, God, I've been proclaiming verbally that this is what's going to happen to this friend, or I'm afraid of this, or this is where the church is going, and, and I'm sorry that's not right. You know, we can work that out with God. I believe I can take yeah. care of that. Um, yeah. Where it's like, oh no, I'm, I'm giving him power, and, and it's done. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That would be. My yeah. I, yeah. No, that's good. I um, I think of you know, Jesus talks about what comes out is is a sign of what's inside the heart and me and then i think too of i don't know if you're familiar with clint arnold uh any of his work i'm not sure if he's written books but i've watched some sermons from him he's like mid the sermons are mid 90s late 80s so they're they're kind of older 
bad graphics. Um, but I really he he talks about spiritual warfare being a worldview as opposed to a specialized work, and that really resonated with me. Like so, like man rebelled against God because the serpent came and deceived him, deceived us. And so there's this constant conflict, whether it's direct demons attacking you or whether it's that state of rebellion that, that we're kind of born in, there's this conflict between God and his original design. And so any work within us to be transformed into the image of Christ is spiritual warfare like is that's god doing work spiritually within us and um and so in that way like yeah if if i'm speaking condemnation or i i've thought about it if i'm having difficulty in a relationship and i'm talking with my wife or talking with others like and it's all negative and condemning like that just tempers the attitude in, in my own heart or home so it's definitely going to have a negative, maybe even sinful effect. Yes. Yeah. But whether that means I've now aligned with the devil and I've got to do some kind of exorcism or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I don't, no, I'm I, not sure that it's that. I, I agree with that. And uh, it's really true what we speak comes out of the heart. So let's deal with the heart, not not try to clamp down on the words or what's going on inside here. I think it's important. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and what, uh, yeah, the spirit in which I'm speaking, you know, so where's that coming from? Uh, I think those are things we need to really look at. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned uh, just briefly, like you and your wife encountering people possessed with the devil. Um, kind of along what we were just talking about how do how do we know when someone's possessed of the devil can a christian be possessed of the devil or accidentally have a spirit and i am particularly thinking along like habitual sins like i've had i've i've done my book that i've written is on um male sexuality and overcoming lust and so i've had a lot of interaction with guys who have had teaching her teaching or had somebody directly tell them um, that that would indicate perhaps they're continuing to struggle with lust because they have a a spirit of lust within them or like some yeah, demonic yeah. spirit and it's really really confused them because they'll pray against it they will go through the bondage breaking and me even to a certain degree um i forget who has a bondage breaking prayer but i remember we are at, at our church we had printed out for a while um and i would pray that through and and it didn't seem to do anything and yeah i'm just curious what what your thoughts can that be a thing to to be yeah it concerns me sometimes. It's, it's like we're lifting up a certain prayer, um, but the pers the perspective of like to me, this helps make sense. Is um, 
sin at its, in a sense, basic form, it's an agreement with Satan. Hmm. And so when, and like Jesus said, you look on a woman with lust, you commit adultery in your heart. So he took it to the heart level. And what I'm doing when when we look on, and just referring back to talking about your struggles in, in pornography and sexuality, uh, what's happening, the reason they're in this intense struggle and, and they can say, you know, I'm possessed or, you know, I can do something for, you know, as a bondage breaker over this. What happened is they made an agreement with Satan that it would be good for them to have a sexual relationship or just to see, you know, this particular woman or any woman. Um, the truth is, it's not. The truth about sexuality is God created one man for one woman, and the sexual relationship is only to be within the covenant of marriage, which is a lifetime covenant. And that's the only good place for sexual relationship. Now, the Bible does address the pleasures of sin, uh, and it's fun for a season. So that's true. But the consequences of sin and the consequences of sexuality, even sex outside of God's plan, are devastating. Um, so, so for somebody that's struggling with um, with sexuality, what I would say is, let's look at your beliefs. So, if you're agreeing with Satan that, you know, just to have sex with whoever, if I just could, you know, if, if you're agreeing with them, uh, you you got to bring that thought into captivity and the truth is no it wouldn't be good for me um mm. uh there's there's no good sexual relationship except with my wife or to the young man that's not married there's no good sexual relationship out there for you until you're committed in marriage to a, to a lady and a repeated sin a repeated agreement with satan is what builds a stronghold in our life and that stronghold isn't taken down just by rebuking the devil because we've made an agreement with him. In a sense, we've shaken hands and saying, it's true, it's true. I wish I could have sex with any woman I see that's attractive. Uh, and now we want to rebuke him while we're holding his hand saying, this is true. Instead, what we have to do is identify the lie, which is a lie about sexuality. No, it would not be good for me to have that relationship. The truth is, God's created me to have that relationship with one lady in a lifetime commitment. So that's what I'm going to believe. And I, I confess that as sin. My thoughts, my agreements with Satan, that's been sin. I've been saying, yes, you're right, Satan. God, no, you're wrong. Even though my actions, I've said no to adultery, acting it, I've been living in that. Uh, so I, I take that thought captive. It's a lie. I confess it as sin. This is true. And I'm going to believe that. Uh, that's how you deal with a stronghold. Now, it seems too simple. Uh, guys may say, okay, I've done that. One thing, I, you need to do that publicly, it, not just myself. Um, you don't, okay, actually, you don't have to do it publicly, but there's power in public confession. James 5 says, mm -hmm. confess your faults one to another. Uh, it takes a, a humility to say, you know what? Here's what's going on here. Uh, and that's a part of submitting to God, being honest with who I am. And so whether, when I say public confession, whether it's to your wife, whether it's to 
a friend, whether it's to the brotherhood, whatever it may be, whether it's to your small group, but you're going to get honest about what's going on in here. You're going to confess it. And then you're going to say, I'm going to believe truth and I'm going to hang on to that. Uh, that's what needs to happen. Not a rebuking of the devil. Now, maybe a strong temptation comes to rebuke the devil, but a stronghold isn't, isn't taken down just by rebuking the devil. It's an agreement, an agreement. And all of a sudden you're just living out of, oh, that would be, you know, and you're just living in this lust that you agree. Uh, so that's what that needs to be taken down. Yeah. You, know, you mentioned, you know, can a Christian be possessed? Uh, wow, that's a tough question. Yeah, somebody smarter than me get that answer. Um, I, I think so. Uh, can it happen accidentally? No, I don't think so. Like to me, there has to be a a willful asking for it. Um, maybe it can happen where somebody prayed over somebody. I, you know, I don't. I'm not an authority in all that. I don't understand mm-hmm. that. But God is faithful to reveal yeah. what we need to understand. Uh, and you know, for myself, you know, in the specific incident where I was involved, where we passed out a demon. It wasn't like we were looking to do it. It wasn't like, uh, uh, I think he has a demon. Let's just try it. No, it was, we're doing the right thing. We're sharing as brothers. Now, uh, and this brother's really struggling. So we're just going to pray for you. We gathered around the brother, and it was in a small group setting. And we were uh, pray for him. And he just started to speak just just vehement um, uh Still, just coming out of his mouth against us, and it's like, wow, that is not of God. No, we should be the devil. And, uh, you know, we settle right down. Like, wow, uh, we didn't have to yell. We didn't have to do anything special. We just rebuked the devil. And then we started asking some questions. And that evening, we lost track of how many demons we passed out of him. Um, after we did several, uh, is we asked, is there any more? And uh, he actually named a specific name of a demon. So we commanded that demon to flee. And there was a, there was a clear distinction in his voice and his action and his body when we addressed that demon and passed him out. Um, hmm. That was a case where it wasn't, we're guessing, um, there was just a rising up against honesty and confession and care and love and brotherhood. Um, and what was interesting to me is in my Try the Spirit series, like I, I don't look at that as a teaching on spiritual warfare, but just discerning, is this of the Holy Spirit or is it not? And there's so much confusion on that. So that's mm-hmm. why I was born in that series. And one of one of the spirits of this world, my second session, that's a four-session series. The second session is the spirit of this world and how it comes into the church. And it, and it looks in its cloak like this is right and it sounds good. Like, you know, only listen to Jesus, nobody else. Well, that sounds really good. But really behind that's a spirit of anti-authority where you don't listen to any authorities. Just do what Jesus says. Uh, and that's not right. Uh, Jesus was a man under authority. Jesus told us to obey authorities. So those are the type of things that come in. Well, one of one of the the um, spirit of this world is that 
this uh, anti-brotherhood or spirit of isolation. And what was interesting is that man that night, um, he addressed the spirit of isolation. Hmm. And a resistance towards relationships. That was one of them. It's like, wow, uh, there's a spirit of isolation. Um, so that was that was that situation. And, and again, as Christians, I don't think we need to live fear. Oh no, I, do I have a demon? Does he have a demon or not? Let's do the right thing. Let's let's follow God's God's principles. Yeah. And Satan's going to stick his head up if it's there, and then we deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. That's interesting. Um, something I have not studied into a whole lot, but is <clears throat> even the <clears throat> excuse me. Even the Greek word for what what gets rendered, uh, I'm not sure what our translation would say, but demon uh, demon possession possessed by a spirit is an actual. I've heard um, that a better rendering is probably like demonized, like the demonized uh, man, um, whereas like more than a spirit coming into a person and giving them a new life and personality, like, like a hand would give a glove or something. It's more that they've, what you've talked about earlier, they've agreed with or listened to, or just spent so much time in this train of thought that they've begun to think and act and take on the character of that demon. Um, and so I, I've, I wonder if, if our fear, like rather than fearing, am I possessed by a devil or whatever? It's so what are we absorbing? Like, what are we yeah. taking into? What are we listening to? Um, That's good. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, Hey, we are, I think we're about at our hour mark here. So I want to be respectful of your time here, but um, thanks for coming on and, and sharing on this uh, again for anyone interested in this series that we win series it's a video series an eight-part video series you can go on ourfamilyministries.org and i'll drop a link here too on the show and access that i also have it in audio so you can oh, okay yeah on is that the black one that's the old one the old okay the old one so the new one comes in a dvd like this or a cd like this so i see okay same cover same and, or you can also uh, you can also buy the, the download on my website if you want. Okay. Yeah, and if you go to the website, you'll see he has a lot more resources available there. Um, why don't you touch on you? We were talking a little bit. You have a new conference. You have several conferences. One you're getting ready to do this weekend, the sold out conference in Oregon, I believe. Um, but you're you have a new conference that you just you've done one so far, right? The Impact Conference. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, Impact Communication Conference, and uh, we did one in July of 2019, and had one scheduled for July of 2020, and due to uh, the COVID, had to uh, had to cancel that one. Um, but we actually have uh, another one scheduled for this next year, and then also doing some 
smaller conferences that churches have requested to come and do for them. Um, also do some training on communication for businesses, um, okay. which is a part of that. But the, uh, the complete conference, let me grab a flyer right here. So here's, this is a impact communication conference. Uh, and we have a website. Our website is uh, impact communication conference, impact-conference.com is our website. And so all our information, we have several promo videos on there, impact-conference.com. What the impact communication conference is, it's a, uh, a three and a half, four day conference where uh, Daryl Weaver and I as co-founders of the impact communication, um, where we teach the laws of impact communication. And then uh, one of the most powerful aspects of the conference is besides the teaching that Daryl and I do with the laws of impact, is having speak, people speak specifically into uh, my communication skills. And there's really very little place for that to happen. You know, I go speak at a business. Uh, what type of feedback do I get? Uh, they'll thank me for coming. Uh, they may say, you know what, this was great. This stood out to me. Uh, if I did bad, they're still probably going to say thanks for coming and, and at least try to look nice to me. Um, we ask for feedback. So maybe we'll say, you know, here is a little bit of weakness. But we really have very little forum for speak into how I'm doing as a communicator. And the sad yeah. thing is, is we don't know how we're communicating, uh, which communicating, we need to focus on the audience, not who I am and what I said, but what did they hear me say? What did they get? And if we don't, uh, we just have very little place for us to get that. So at our conference, you get that by being in a, a speech group of which is five to seven people and a speech coach. And you come to the conference with a five minute speech prepared that you're going to give, and it can be on anything. It doesn't have to be a spiritual topic. You know, it can be on, uh, you know, your, your hobby uh, can be, you know, whatever, uh, something you have interest in. And you give that. And then the speech coach and, and those in your speech group, they speak into it. You know, here's, here's a commendation. Here's what you did really well. Uh, here's a way you can improve. And then as we get deeper into it, you have your audience says, you know, here's what you were trying to say. And it's interesting when you're done giving that speech and you're up front and, and you know, myself or whoever the speech coach standing there beside you, we go around the, that half circle and, you know, this was your inspiration and to hear what everybody says. And when everybody's saying, this is what you're trying to communicate and it's all the same thing and it's what you were, it's like, okay, I did it. Uh, mm. Mm. there's no better uh, pure feedback than to have your audience say, I think you were trying to tell us this. And then the next guy says, I think it was this. And when it's all varied, you're like, wow, I, I just did a terrible job. Yeah. You got them laughing. Maybe they were with me the whole time, but everybody, they were kind of clueless on what I was really trying to say and why you need to know. So that aspect of getting the feedback is a really powerful part of the, of the conference. And, you come with a five-minute speech ready, and then the second day after listening to uh, several of our sessions and teaching, you prepare a new speech, a new five-minute speech. And okay. you get to sit with your coach, 
and have them look over your notes and making sure you're developing an I am sentence, which is you're using the law of inspiration motivation. Uh, and then that night after dinner, you're back in your speech group, the same group, same coach, and you give your new speech. And, and then they're critiquing you again. And then the third day, you're sitting under you know, the rest of the teaching, and then you develop your third speech, which is, again, a five-minute speech, uh, and it's a new speech. And we're, we're just digging deeper in the laws of communication. Yeah. And, and so that's been a, a really powerful thing. You know, people have asked, are you going to put this teaching on DVD? And right now we're saying, no, we don't want to do that. Because then people just, I don't need to go to a conference. I'm just going to watch it and get it. Uh, and yes, they could get the teaching on the laws of communication, but they don't get that impact of personal speaking. Yeah. You know, I I went to a Ken Davis' score conference in 2013. In fact, that's where Daryl, uh, a co-founder, and I both went to the Ken Davis' conference together. And I had I had his DVDs on the score conference. I'd watched those. I went through it with, with some guys. And, and so all that was really good. I knew the content of what he's teaching. Um, I spent $2,100 to hear something I'd already heard. Uh, but what I got out of that conference that was worth my $2,100 is the speech coach speaking mm. to how I came across. And he told me something that nobody had ever told me before. And when he told me, there's like a light came on. I was like, wow, that was so powerful. And, and I needed to hear that. I wouldn't have gotten that any other way. So that's a, that's a powerful part of the conference that we're, we're doing. Um, like I said, it's, this isn't just for pastors or teachers. It, it works also in business. It works in, any type of communication and the foundation behind what Daryl and I are doing with impact communication is, is this. We believe that the greater the value of the message, the greater the need to deliver well. Mm-hmm. Therefore, as Christians, we should train ourselves as communicators because we have a valuable message to give. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and what that does is it takes the focus off of me as a communicator and it puts it on the message. It puts a focus on the message, not on the messenger. And sometimes as Christians, we can say, well, if I try to get really good on, on communicating, uh, isn't that really a me focus? And then I'll get proud. You know, we don't do that in, in our cooking. Like, I don't want my wife to say, well, I don't want to cook a good meal because I'll get proud. So, you know, we don't want that. Uh, we believe that you can cook well and be humble. We believe that you can do your job well uh, and be humble. Why can't we communicate well and be humble? Uh, so mm-hmm. equate, equating doing something well with pride, that's not right. Uh, and it's the wrong focus. Uh, you can come to the conference and say, I want to do well so that people like me and they want me to speak. That's not right. Um, we believe that the focus needs to be on the message and I want to learn to de- to deliver it well so that people get it. And that's really not about me. And then people come away saying, wow, I got it. I understood it. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we want. And probably the, the, the most common feedback I get that encourages me is when people say, it was simple. I could understand it. Mm-hmm. I got it. Uh, and that could be an insult. And sometimes I, you know, I tell people, I said, well, I'm not smart enough to make it difficult to understand. Um, but honestly, that's a result of using the law of clarification. Mm. How will I help them remember? Mm. 
So it's very important that we as communicators break down what we have. You know, if I'm given 30 minutes to speak and I study and I put together a presentation and I've taken me a, a, you know, six hours of study and I go in 30 minutes, I give it to somebody and I expect it to impact them for them to remember it a week later uh, without having to go back to their notes. That's impossible unless I package it in a way that they're going to get it. So, uh, so that's, that's a a big one for that, that law of clarification. Yeah, no, that's good. I, uh, you have, it sounds, the whole giving feedback reminds me of your speech class at IGO, which was probably an abbreviated version of it. I don't know, but the, uh, the feedback, like I, it was through that experience where I started thinking about teaching. I think even maybe some of your comments in there were like, Oh, you'd be good at teaching. Um, and, and then just so that class awakened in me the realization that I enjoy speaking, especially when I can learn how to communicate. Um, and you've, I've been able to sit under your teaching and sermons and stuff. You, you do a really good job at that. And probably the clearest example is nobody remembers their wedding sermon, right? Yeah. <laughs> nobody yeah. can. <laughs> yeah. You spoke at our wedding and I, I still remember how you spell love. So yeah. serve S E R V E. There's probably a lot of other things that I, I don't remember from it, but I remember yeah. that part. Good, good. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely enjoy making t- making it to one of those conferences sometime. I don't know if we'll get to it this next year or not, but yeah, definitely hey, recommend it. We are, uh, as as the, the requests come in to do them uh, in, in specific locations, like we have now some coming in for that, um, you know, there's potential to do them in other places. So people can just check out our website and all yeah. our information. Yeah, very good. Well, thank you, Rick, for taking the time and coming on here. It was a pleasure to have you on. And... Well, thank you, Asher. It's been a pleasure to connect with you again. And uh, I'm blessed what you're doing. It's uh, it's always good to interact and to hear from you. Thanks. The questions you're asking, these are, these are great questions. Uh, and, to, and to me, you're bringing about great content to, to help your listeners. So I bless you. Mm, yeah, thank you.